0: All right, big deal today on the Michael Savage Podcast. Well, we all know we're in out of control inflation, as you're going to soon learn from the expert guests that I have on, and one of them is very well known. You've all heard of Steve Forbes, the son of longtime Forbes publisher Malcolm Forbes, and the grandson of that publication's founder, B.C. Forbes. Steve Forbes is an advisor at the Forbes School of Business and Technology, and in 1996 and 2000, Republican presidential race he ran as a presidential candidate on a great platform of the flat tax you'll hear from him and we're going to talk about inflation and then we're going to talk with a friend of mine tom mullen about what the real rate of inflation is and you'll never believe this you're going to learn which presidential which which president actually increased spending the slowest And which president increased it the most? You're never going to believe the answer. It's all right here on the Michael Savage podcast. And you learn what Steve Forbes thinks, who is calling the economic shots for the Biden administration. You're not going to believe this podcast, but it's really good. And I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much for listening. Share it with five friends. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you? Haven't seen you in, a, in ages. Been a while. As you can see, I'm getting younger by the day. So am I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All I can say is, thank God I'm still here, right? It's a nice feeling. Uh, I love that uh, saying of uh, that uh, in every older person, there's a younger person saying, how did this happen? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I haven't heard that one. I have a cardiologist who many years ago said to me, he had a 100-year-old patient, and I said, what's the secret? He said, he told me, never let an old person live in your body. Hmm. That's a good one, meaning don't complain. Oh, my knee hurts. Oh, my ankle hurts. So, Steve hmm. Forbes, you are a guru of economic issues. I know your family sold Forbes magazine a while ago, but I read it because someone I know very well is featured in the list every time you publish it. Ah. And, and so <laughs> <laughs> I think we should begin with this simple question of you in the beginning when you ran for the presidency many years ago. You called for a flat tax. Do you still believe that that would first of all, we don't we know it'll never pass in this equitable
1: society, but do you think it's still a good idea? The flat tax, Steve, uh, the flat tax is a great idea because it allows people to focus on productive things rather than unproductive things. Uh, the IRS estimates, you know, we spend what 6 billion hours a year, filling out tax forms. Mm. Experts tell us we spend over $200 billion a year complying with this monstrosity. I uh, just go back 20 years, take that hundred plus billion hours, literally trillions of dollars. And imagine if those resources, all that brain power, had instead gone for new services, new products, new medical Mm. devices, new cures for diseases, how much better off we'd be today. So what they call the opportunity cost has been immense. Also, it's corrupt society brings out the worst in us. Mm. So, yes, a simple low rate, generous exemptions for adults and for children, no tax on savings. That's it. I had a plan where if you're your first family of first first fifty two thousand eight hundred dollars or a family of four would be free federal income tax. Hmm. Only 17 cents on the dollar above that. And so that way we focus on real things rather than unproductive things that bring out the worst in us. Now, when you say a flat tax and it's
0: worth talking about, even though it may be pie in the sky, given the the climate of the nation today, what percent of Americans pay no tax at all? Isn't it very high, like 40, 50 percent?
1: It is on the federal income tax side. And uh, I hope the day comes when uh, no one has to pay federal income tax, but we're not at the zero percent rate (laughs) yet. But one thing to keep in mind, even though they don't call it a tax, is everyone pays the FICA tax and uh, they pay a lot of other taxes, sales taxes, local income taxes. You pay fees on everything you do. So the American people don't feel untaxed. Mm. And uh, that's why, again, simplicity, focus on real things. And then uh, I think the mood of the country will change. Well, you know, we keep hearing
0: that uh, you get guys like Bernie Sanders, who was an outright communist, no matter what he calls himself. The man is an outright expression of communism. And he kept saying, make the billionaires and millionaires pay their fair share. The fact is, the millionaires and billionaires, if they're paying taxes at all, and most are, are paying extraordinarily high amounts of tax, not only federal, but state as well. So. What's the solution when you hear the foolish people say,
1: let the rich pay their fair share? Don't the rich already pay their fair share? Well, you point out first the top one percent pay about, what, 40 percent of the federal income taxes. And uh, before Ronald Reagan started cutting tax rates from the top rate was 70 percent back in uh, the uh, uh, 1970s. Before he took office, they're paying about 18 percent. So experience shows whether it's in the 80s, the 60s or the 1920s. If you want the rich to pay more, lower the rates So they focus on creating resources, creating new rich people. And uh, guess what? More resources are created and the government collects more. Then the debate becomes, what should the government do with those revenues? I'd like to return it to the people who created the resources in the first place. We're speaking with Steve Forbes. And the topic really
0: is the Biden economy, out of control inflation. And it leads us to his new book, Inflation What It Is, Why It's Bad, and How to Fix It. It's a very important book because people say, well, inflation's bad. Do you think it can actually be fixed in a with a government like this that thinks that spending is going to reduce inflation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, 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 it's like uh, saying with a doctor who 300 years ago thought you cured illnesses by bleeding patients. Uh, you want that physician attending you today? No. So that's why we got to get new docs in there. And I think uh, that's going to happen. And the key thing is to have the right environment where good things can uh, get done. Mm-hmm. And uh, we uh, people understand why those good things are getting done. And in terms of inflation, we point out in the book, there are two kinds, monetary and non-monetary, non-monetary. You have a war. Obviously, uh, you're going to have uh, shortages and rationing and like we did in World War II, or you shut down an economy like you did during uh, the covid crisis that created uh, mm. uh, shortages, raised prices artificially. Now, normally on the non-monetary side, as we point out, if you leave the economy alone, That thing will adjust after World War Two took two and a half years. You know, you don't overnight go from making bombers to refrigerators. Mm. But after two and a half years of volatility, the economy righted itself. And we started a great post World War Two boom. Mm -hmm. And uh, we could do the same thing today. But this administration, as you well know, you've been talking about it, is waging war on fossil fuels, reducing supply rather than increasing supply. Not only that, they're putting on mammoth new regulations on everything, waging war on railroads, meat packers, turkey growers, everything. And uh, then they wonder why they don't have more investment. They wonder why there's not more supply coming. They're putting barriers so you got to move the, the, the barriers. No, no, I have to ask seat. you
0: something. Yep, we know we know all of their policies are backwards in every way. It's Carter Radu, but on steroids. Haven't they learned from history what their mentality produces? Who, who's in charge of the economic council
1: under Biden? Who's the chief advisor, Stephen? Uh, well, he has several advisors. And the question is, given uh, President Biden today, is who is really calling the shots? Nobody and I knows. think it's really Bernie Sanders or oh the spirit God. of Bernie Sanders <laughs> in the sense in, 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 in the sense that uh, yes every, you know Janet Yellen may be nominally treasury secretary but uh, all the policies are there that don't work. Yeah. This goes this shows the power of ideology or what you might call idiotology. that <laughs> uh, if 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 something doesn't work it's the people's fault not the theory's fault. Mm. You see it on the federal reserve side. Unfortunately we're going to have a recession not because it's inevitable, but because the Federal Reserve thinks you reduce inflation by slowing the economy down and making people poorer. They think we're buying too much. So instead of focusing on increasing supply, having a stable dollar, uh, they're gonna give us the worst of all worlds. And you're, I think, uh, I know you're young, but I think you may remember from your crib in the 1970s uh, what, what happened then. And uh, we're getting a version of it today uh, on the on the terms of the supply side, uh, non-monetary inflation and monetary inflation. The Fed should be selling off its bonds, not printing new money and mm. leave interest rates alone, Michael. That's a form of rent control. Let mm. borrow and lenders set the rates, not the Federal Reserve. So you you believe that raising interest rates is wrong. Why? Well, the, the raising of rates, the rates may go up because of supply and demand. But it's quite another thing when the government sets rates, I it's see. like the, when the government sets rent, maybe the, the, maybe the lower or higher or whatever. But that should be uh, between two parties, not government arbitrarily setting a rate. And so when the government does it, the only question is, how wrong are they going to be? And we've already seen a sharp rise. I mean, w- the housing market mortgages have doubled 30-year mortgages. And when these mortgage resets take place later this year, that's going to be another depressor on the economy. Uh. So again, uh, leaving things alone, often let the people do it, and by golly, they'll find a way to do it. Michael Savage, a host like no other.
0: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead, and after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight La Quinta, tomorrow you
1: shine. Book your stay today at lq.com.
0: Gasoline in California is over 750 a gallon, 730, 750. It's hard to believe. And I don't want to bring up the teeth, but on the Trump, I remember filling my car, what it costs now, filling my car, what it costs. am filling my boat, what it costs, filling my boat, what it costs. And I know where this goes. And the next few months are going to be so draconianly draconian. I don't think people are going to be ready for ten dollar a gallon gas. And yet we have zealots in the Biden administration, Stephen, don't we, who say that's a good thing because it'll drive people into the sacred electric car as though it's environmentally neutral. When we all know that the electric car noble in its design is not environmentally neutral. Actually, if you add up the cost of the energy to produce the battery, produce the car, it's actually probably less efficient than the gas cars are today. But that's a topic for another day. I, I see and I wonder if you agree that we're going to have We have gas lines already here in California. I see them every morning at the, quote, discount station, which is 10 cents a gallon less. They're backed up a half a mile. People need 20 gallons. uh, That's a 50 cents a gallon less. So that's $10, $20 a tank. That's a lot of money for a person who's, you know, struggling. It may not be a a lot to a a person like me in the media, but they're there for that 20 bucks. That's a big deal. Okay, I see the day of another Carter where people are going to hack. I think we could have. Do you think we'd have gas rationing as we did on the Carter if this keeps up?
1: I think, uh, given given one of the things we point out in the book, when you get the inflation taken off like it is today, is that governments always look for scapegoats, finger pointing. You know, back in Roman times, they blamed Christians. Nice for the lines, but it didn't do anything about inflation, <laughs> which uh, inflation, and uh, by the way, high taxation destroyed Rome more than barbarians did. In medieval, medieval times, they blamed witches. Uh, today they're blaming uh, meat packers, chicken producers, turkey growers, uh, oil companies, pharma companies, oh, and don't forget
0: Putin. Putin's responsible absolutely. For
1: everything. Vladimir Putin, and uh, who knows? Maybe the Big Mac is there. Cows <laughs> with their, well, you know, they they point fingers everywhere. So this is the part of a scapegoating, and so the danger is these desperate politicians may resort to a form of uh, price, uh, price controls like we did in the 70s. And all mm. that does is create shortages mm. in those um, gas lines. Uh, as soon as Reagan removed those price controls, the lines disappeared uh, because uh, people were produced again and the uh, fuel was allowed to go where it was wanted, uh, where people were uh, lining up to to get it. And so, again, uh, they ignore actual experience because their ideology says they know everything. And so, in terms of uh, electricity for EVs, you know, you, uh, Ben Franklin flew a kite, but flying a kite's not going to power an automobile, <laughs> and and you and windmills are not going to power airplanes. And we know physically by physics, there's no way uh, these so-called renewables are going to replace fossil fuels uh, in the next uh, half century. So again, uh, one of the and this is where I get really angry. You got me going is that every major advance in civilization whether it's industrial revolution, whether it's the railroad, the automobile, the Internet requires vast increases in the consumption of energy. And what these people are proposing is higher prices for energy and less energy. In other words, pushing us backwards instead of enabling us to move forward. So I want to go back to your book and bring it back to the news. Your
0: book is about inflation, what it is, why it has been, and how to fix it. But you're not an economic advisor to Biden. And Bernie Sanders (laughs) is. And Bernie Sanders has never held a job in his life. He has never produced a service or a product that anyone ever needed. He's been a lifetime leech on government through government jobs. And yet he's the number one guy advising Biden. Aren't there any wise people in the economic circle around Biden that you know of? Because Uh, I, I, I think of who was the man who advised Clinton? I mentioned him to my son the other day and they didn't listen to him. Was it Larry Summers? Larry Summers, who's who's who, a middle of the road Democrat, not an ideologue, but he's also pretty smart. And he's trying to put the brakes on some of the things they're doing, and they're rejecting him,
1: correct? That's right. They're ignoring them entirely. And that's why, unfortunately, you know, previous presidents, if they saw signs of trouble, uh, their instincts of self-preservation would kick in. Yeah. And uh, they, they'd make changes even if they didn't believe them, they would make the changes. Mm. And unfortunately, this crowd is going to need a thrashing in November. And then I think you're going to see some pressure from Democrats, not because of any conversion, Mm. but because they don't want to have to pursue other job opportunities after 2024. So we might start to get some changes there. But in the meantime, we're just going to have to fight, try Mm. to slow this uh, bad uh, train uh, wreck uh, that they're creating each and every day.
0: Well, you know what I fear the most? And perhaps it's irrational or paranoid, but I I, I wouldn't even mention it if I really thought that that was true. I look back to the history of World War II, And rationing was prevalent because there was a shortage of everything from milk, eggs. People had books of stamps in order to buy the basic necessities. I heard it from my parents, but I also heard from them that these stamps were counterfeited. Organized crime got involved with these government rationing stamps. And I have a fear, Mr. Forbes, that there are Democrats who would love that because it would they'd be able to make new illicit fortunes in ways they have not yet been able to to do. What exactly are these ration coupons? How did they work? Because I fear we're going to have them again. We'll certainly have them with gasoline if this keeps up.
1: Well, in World War II, when resources were devoted to saving civilization, And for the most part, people went along with it, even though Ah. we have human nature being what it is. Yeah. uh, People felt it a patriotic duty. But the amazing thing is, as soon as the war ended against the advice of so-called experts, uh, Congress repealed almost all of those wartime controls, all that wartime rationing. So suddenly prices zoomed up because they'd been suppressed Ah. and it took a while for things to uh, smooth out. But uh, we, we, we made the we made the big break. And uh, that's why we were able to have a boom after the war instead of maintaining these controls. And by the way, Germany in the late 40s uh, was under a lot of rationing and controls. And a fellow named Ludwig Erhard, who was put in charge of uh, economic policy after the war in the western zone of Germany, got rid of it all overnight. And overnight, Germany started to boom again. Mm. So, uh, yes, they love control. That's why they love masks. They dehumanize us Mm. and it's a way of it's a way of exerting control. This gets the brilliance of our founders. They understood human nature. Mm -hmm. They understood that we love to boss each other. And uh, so that's why they divided power on the federal level, divided power on the state and local level. They knew the dangers of human nature uh, and wanted a type of government policy or structure that brought out the best in people, not the worst. And that's why, by the way, we were put the dollar on the gold standard in the 1790s.
0: Oh, we can talk about the gold. I spoke with Ron Paul last week about the gold standard, and he went all the way back to 1917. Then he told us what what uh, FDR, uh, excuse me, I, I brought up Nixon because Nixon was allegedly a conservative and he, he took us off the gold standard, yep. you know, which 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 is, of course, a subject for, for another time. <music>
1: That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com/wonder.
0: You know, with the war in Ukraine, which I don't want to discuss with you from the point of view of politics, because I'm totally opposed to foreign wars. I mean, I thought we were against Washington us, you know, foreign entanglements. Stay out of them. We just left behind 170 billion dollars worth of military equipment on the ground to the Taliban. God knows where that went. Now these clowns are sending forty five or more billion dollars worth of equipment to Ukraine when most Americans don't couldn't find it on a map. And I fear that a lot of the weapons are already being sold on the black market that we're sending them. Incidentally, they're appearing on the black market because Ukraine is notoriously corrupt as a nation. Didn't suddenly become a pristine nation because uh, Zelensky appeared. Uh, So when Russia cut oil off, a flow of the natural gas to uh, Germany. I read this morning the Green Party has voted yes to go back to coal burning <laughs> in Germany. They said yes, although it's a necessary evil, we need it to survive. So they're burning coal plants again in Germany, and the Greens are all for it. So they asked them about nuclear power. Should they deactivate all the nuclear power anyway? since there's a few functional nuclear power plants and the Greens that all know on the no condition, shall we go back to nuclear energy. I think you'd agree with me that nuclear power is a safe, clean and very advisable way to go. I mean, France is what, 70 percent nuclear
1: power, something like that. Right. Well, this uh, this this gets to uh, be polite about it. Inconsistencies in this uh ideology. And that is if you think that fossil fuels are destroying the planet or unclean fuels are destroying the planet. First of all, natural gas is a clean fuel. And a lot of greens in uh, Europe recognize that it is a clean fuel. In fact, when natural gas was a production soared in this country with fracking, uh, the ri- originally these people said, that's great. They saw it as a gateway energy to their uh, windmills and their solar panels <laughs> when they realized that natural gas itself Could uh, do the job. They turned against it. But so do you take natural gas, you take nuclear power and allow uh, real advances in nuclear power regulation right now makes it impossible Impossible. to make real advances. Uh, You do that. Guess what? You uh, you you have all the clean energy you want. But uh, they 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 don't want to listen to that. They're just falling in love with what? windmills. Why windmills would, are the, the, great, why would great, the green great technology? But, but it was 500 years old. Hello. <laughs> but why would they be against nuclear
0: energy? Is that does that have any effect upon global warming? I
1: mean, where's the emission from nuclear energy? No, they 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 just see a mushroom whenever they a mushroom okay. cloud, whenever they talk about I the nuclear see. power. I uh, facts don't matter. Uh, Safety records don't matter. So it's all emotion, not the fact that uh, nuclear power has uh, zero emissions. Well, France
0: runs on. I think France is 70 or 80 percent running on nuclear energy, nuclear power. Israel runs off some nuclear reactors. So these are advanced nations with very smart people. I don't know. Maybe we have the dumbest people in the world running this country. And I don't want to just keep saying Biden's dumb. But that's kind of not even the point. The average American feels we're in this hole of inflation. Your book is about inflation, what it is, why it's bad, and how to fix it. But when you have a man who doesn't appear to be in control of anything, even his bicycling, although it could happen to anyone. And I bicycle. In fact, yesterday, after I read about it, I go on my bike every day. I said, you know, wouldn't it be horrible if you were you fell off your bike? You certainly wouldn't be seen around the world. But Mr. Conservative falls off his bike. But OK, it could happen. It didn't mean that he's senile. <laughs> he did fall off his bike, but it's kind of a symbol of what's going on, tripping on the steps, going on Air Force One, tripping on his words, going down Air Force One, falling off his bike, falling when he's getting on his bike, falling when he's getting off his bike, making no sense, literally lying about everything. The man is a serial pathological liar. He lies about everything. And it comes back to inflation. He said inflation is not necessarily going to happen. It is happening.
1: What do you mean it's not necessarily going to happen? How is that possible? Well, again, this is I almost sometimes think that uh, perhaps if you really want to be ultra conspiratorial, that Joe Biden and his team are secret Republican agents uh, showing us (laughs) the the utter unworkability of what they're trying to do, uh, saying the opposite of what's out there. No, the sun doesn't set each day. That's a great light bulb in the sky. Uh, <laughs> they they, they, they go on and on. And this is what really, though, is corrosive. People can experience what's actually happening and they pretend that it isn't happening and that people just can't stand it. That's one reason why it's popularity, is, though, is not just because of the rising inflation, but the feeling the man is not being truthful with the American people, treating like a bunch of dummies, who can't see what happens when they go to the store, to the pump.
0: Unbelievable. So the average American understands what you talk about with inflation. Uh, To dig ourselves out of this hole from your point of view, would you be defined? Can you define yourself as an economic libertarian? Would you say would that be fair?
1: Uh, Whatever label I'm for economic growth and opportunity, removing the barriers. Uh, I think uh, I think the American people are extraordinarily creative. I think Mm -hmm. we've demonstrated over 200 years, despite all the problems and wars and all the crazy things we've done, that a free people ultimately gets things right. And we have the most prosperous and until now the happiest nation on Earth, (laughs) because even in tough times, people realized uh, it's better here than anywhere else. And let's try to make it even better for for ourselves in the future and be an example to others. Well, that's very noble, but I don't know that we're the same
0: nation we were even 20 years ago with the Biden gang. And those are my words, not yours. Flooding America with, I'm sorry to say, illegal aliens. Can't even use the words. Uh, they're, They're going to be a net drain on our society. These are not productive individuals. You see them coming over the border. Most of them will be on social services, welfare. How does this country carry such a burden on its back. How is it possible?
1: Well, uh, I think uh, the, the first thing that has to be done is to stop the thing. That's why uh, Secretary Mayorkas, I think uh, I don't like impeachment processes, but I oh. think that guy deserves to be impeached. I've never they seen deliberately, anything like him. Deliberately. Never saw anything. Where did he come from? Uh, good Cuba. question, but uh, he, he's doing what they want to do. But and you, so you, you have said hundreds good of question.
0: Th- Stephen, you said good question. I, I watched this man at work. They dragged him before the Senate he was so eerie in his answers. He was so bad in his answers. He wouldn't answer a question. He's broken our borders open. And despite everyone who has analyzed this with any intelligence, especially in a time of recession, which we are in, how do you keep bringing in a million people a month or whatever the number is right now and not expect to completely break the society, which I'll throw something out here and has nothing to do with you. I wouldn't ask you to agree with me or not. I don't understand how this man can be the head of DHS. I don't understand where he came. I know he came from Cuba. Is he a deep state plant of Cuban intelligence? That's a a topic for another conspiracy uh, uh, podcast. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Families have a lot going on let ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up like delicious lolly focus pops
1: or lolly mellow pops for kids and for parents try three new brainy chews to help you focus chill out or get energized find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com that's o-l-l-y.com these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug
0: administration this product is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease you know when it comes to inflation mr forbes I have a gentleman named Tom Mullen who studied this for me, and I asked him which president increased spending the slowest. And and he said, people think Republicans reduce spending. He said the opposite is true. He said the president who increased spending the slowest was Obama. And Trump actually increased spending the most. Do you agree? He, He gave me the data. I couldn't
1: believe it. Yeah. Well, you, you you can debate about uh, what uh, Obama did uh, on uh, in terms of uh, the defense and things like that, uh, the, the particulars. Uh, but the only president who ever left office uh, in modern times with a budget lower than when he took office was Calvin Coolidge in the 1920s. And he worked very hard to do that. And uh, so uh, politicians love to spend and both parties love to spend. And that's why we have that's why I like term limits as a one way of making these people don't feel they're entitled to do this forever and get a new crop of people we can uh, then have to throw out. But in turn, terms of uh, the future, the key thing is to get this country growing again, get the assets growing faster than the liabilities. And and the, what's crazy about the border is we had policies in place, mechanisms in place. So you didn't have floods of people coming to the border they were deliberately removed. Yes. And uh, even before the election, when it looked like that Biden might win or take office and uh, the, 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 the illegal uh, uh, caravans started in anticipation that the barriers would be removed. So uh, I, think, I think most Americans understand that, especially when you get stories about in the middle of the night. If this was a proper policy that had been vetted and approved by the people, you wouldn't have to have them in the middle of the night bringing uh, buses or uh, airplanes in of people. Uh, so hoping that nobody notices that suddenly you uh, have 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 more uh, people in your community. No. And uh, so one one of the things uh, we were one of the reasons we wrote the book was to uh, get a, an economy here, an economy is people. Where people can focus on productive things, a trustworthy dollar, uh, uh, low tax rates, and simple tax rates that don't bring out the worst in us, mm. and then and then and then the, the I think the mood of the country changes, and I think you're already seeing one thing that came out of these lockdowns uh, is that people are no longer trusting experts the way they did before. Absolutely. They've seen in the schools what's happened. They oh, so have more homeschooling, you're having education savings accounts parents uh, saw what was happening. Uh, We no longer trust these uh, so-called health authorities when they tell us things and then uh, we find out that they're not true. Mm -hmm. So the American skepticism, sort of the Missouri attitude, show me, is coming to the fore again. Wow,
0: that's an awful lot we could talk about there, the rejection of, quote, government experts. But it brings us back to the (laughs) demonization of productive citizens in America as though we who pay the highest taxes are actually the enemy of America instead of the heroes of America, which is totally crazy. But it brings back it brings me back historically to what Stalin did to farmers. Mm. First, they demonized the farmers, calling them kulaks or speculators. And then they sent people don't know this, but they actually sent hardcore Marxists out of from Moscow, from the city to the farms. And they stole the clothing from the farmers before they appropriated their land. They stole their shoes in the wintertime. I've studied this in great detail. First, they demonized them. So the same way we are being demonized in America today, if we're productive, uh, they're demonizing. Now they're demonizing oil companies. Who else has Biden been demonizing in the last few days? Oil companies, airline companies. They're all demons now. They're all kulaks they're all exploiters to the Biden. It's like Soviet Soviet mentality all over again. And the next step is nationalization from these po- people's point of view. And do you think that could happen in this country where they can nationalize the oil industry,
1: nationalize airlines? Are they that crazy? No, they, uh, they, they they're uh, actually uh, very uh, smart about it. We Call it modern socialism. Modern socialists recognize you don't have to nationalize, formally nationalize resources. Mm-hmm. You just regulate them in a way. Their existence depends on your goodwill. Oh, that boy. way they can control you. If things go bad, they have you around as scapegoats. Mm. But this way they get the best of all worlds, control and a lack of accountability. And it would be harder to do that when they actually own the things. And uh, just as an aside, uh, you're talking about what happened in Ukraine in the uh, early 1930s. There's a movie that came out several years ago called Mr. Jones. Mm. And it's about a reporter who try to find out what was going on in Ukraine. And a uh, long story short, uh, ultimately with the aid of a Hearst got the first stories out that there were famines, not just uh, a few food shortages, actual famines. And they were deliberate mm. and ultimately Stalin had them killed, but uh, quite, quite, quite a movie. Yeah, there, there was, it was a famine on purpose to kill
0: people and 3 million Ukrainians were killed by at least at, at least So, you know, these are terrible things to even talk about because people say it can't happen here. But unless these diehard communists, and that's all they are, are continuously fought against, we're liable to wind up the way the Soviet Union did. So, what you told me today is interesting. They don't actually have to run an airline to control the airline, they don't have to run the oil industry to destroy the oil industry, they don't have to run the food industry in order to control the food industry. And I know from having been an economic botanist many years ago, it was my field of expertise long before everything else. You don't have to be a genius to see what's coming with the reduction in production of wheat in Ukraine. What's going to happen in September is going to be a nightmare compared to what's going on with gasoline right now. That's what I see. Do you project ahead? What's or could you discuss with me for a minute or two with the reduction in the planting of crops in the springtime in Ukraine. We're going to have a, a wheat shortage. Wheat is the basis of so many different foods. People have no idea. What do you envision happening come next autumn and winter in the world as a result of the Ukraine-Russia war?
1: Yeah, it's awfully hard to uh, grow wheat or uh, harvest wheat when bombs are falling from <laughs> the air. And, uh, and so I think what you're going to see is uh, very interesting you're going to see the probably they're trying to use neutral ships to go into the Black Sea to take that uh, grain from those silos in uh, Odessa and elsewhere. And the money would be put in an escrow account not to be released until you come to a settlement of the war. And uh, uh, I hope somebody's thinking along the lines of what Herbert Hoover did in 1914 when mm-hmm. the breakout of the Great War Germany decides not to feed Belgium as a way to break the force, the British to give up their blockade. Hmm. And uh, Hoover, miraculously, with a small group of people, got neutral shipping together and uh, under their supervision, got to uh, feed Belgium and northern France uh, for for the war until Hoover came home when we entered the war. But I hope something like that is underway where uh, uh, a humanitarian effort can take place and that only will take place. If uh, the parties feel the consequences of not doing it are going to be overwhelming.
0: But your idea just now of using neutral ships, et cetera, I haven't heard that idea anywhere. Have you expressed that publicly somewhere? I haven't heard it.
1: Yes. And uh, I, I hope uh, the, the, the you know, we all think of Hoover as the Depression. But yeah. uh, what Hoover and that group did in uh, 1914 to 1917 was a miracle. And uh, we need uh, people like that to try to make that happen today. Disinterested parties trying to get something good done. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, all the way to the We Just Hit a Million Orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
0: Okay, I want to go back before you leave us to your book because it's important that they hear about it. Those listening to the Michael Savage podcast are intelligent people. They read books. They know Steve Forbes. They know Michael Savage. And I'm saying your book, Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad and How to Fix It. You've given us some of the ideas. If you could summarize for us, if you were an economic advisor to Joe Biden well, or whoever's running Joe Biden, or whoever holds <laughs> Joe Biden's bicycle pump in their hands, uh, what would you say needs to be done from today
1: forward to straighten things out as quickly as possible? What would what should be done uh, Federal Reserve, stop fooling around with interest rates and start reducing uh, the money that you created with those long-term bonds. Start selling the bonds. Mm -hmm. Number two, do the opposite of everything you've done on the energy front. (laughs) Number three, stop putting on new regulations, $200 billion worth last year. Remove barriers rather than create barriers. You do those things and you'll start to see things turn around, especially if people trust that you're not going to reverse course again. Uh, you're not going to get oil companies to make long term investments if they think six months from now or a year from now, you're going to pull a rug from out, uh, under them again. So try to establish trust by telling the truth. We're in a mess. Here's what we're going to do now. I've got a new team. You know, in sports, they always fire coaches and managers. Well, we can't fire this one until 2024, mm. but he certainly can bring in a new set of coaches now. It's a very good point. I mean, if a surgeon,
0: Cuts the wrong uh, uh, artery or vein and and sort of damages or kills the patient. The surgeon generally doesn't perform surgery after that. They lose their license to practice surgery. I've said this for 25 years on the radio, but apparently a politician could cut the main artery going into a nation and come out smelling like roses and go on to the next big thing. Unfortunately, that's our political system because we have to wait so many years for our direct or participatory democracy. We are not a parliamentary system where we can have a vote of no confidence. If we had one today, I'm sure that even his own party, half of them would vote against Biden right now and to replace him within their own party. But that's not happening. We have to sit this out. And it doesn't seem to me that your suggestions will be. uh, uh, I, I have to ask a loaded question.
1: Is anyone in the White House home and listening to Steve Forbes? Uh, no, even though I sent a free book to Joe and to uh, his <laughs> wife, Dr. Jill, uh, I also sent the uh, audio, ver- uh, the the, uh, au- the voice virgin, version, audible version, so they could listen to the thing. They don't even have to read it. Uh, but I've got no response yet that they are uh, listening to it at bedtime. <laughs> Steve Forbes, it's been a long time
0: since you and I have talked. Your sense of humor is more keen than ever. I can see you still have a uh, a, a pleasure in what you say. You get joy in, in in the use of words, which is a pleasure unto itself. And again, the book is Inflation, What It Is, Why It's Bad and How to Fix It. And I suggest that every American listening to this podcast, read it. Stephen Forbes, thanks for your time. I sure appreciate it. Michael, thank you for yours. Keep fighting. OK, thank you very much. Bye now. Bye bye. Michael Savage, a host like no other. I just interviewed Steve Forbes on the whole issue of the, well, he calls it idiotology, idiotology, the Biden economy, so-called, and out-of-control inflation. And now we're following up by speaking with an expert on some other subject related to the economy. My good friend, Tom Mullen, who's worked with me on several books and he actually stunned me the other day when he asked me this question, which president increased spending the slowest? I said, well, I know that uh, Bush was I think I called him a fiscal Marxist at the time. I really was slammed for that. I don't know what I, a fiscal socialist is how I define Mr. Bush, too. But I was shocked when you sent me this and I'm not going to preempt you. What is it that you found when you looked into which president increased spending the slowest or actually? Increase spending the most, how would you look at it?
2: Well, I, I should say that because when you look over the last 50 years, not only is inflation an issue, but the way they measure inflation is different. So I thought, and I've always thought, the best way is to just say, take any president and see by percentage basis how much he increased spending over his term based on the last year of his predecessor and using those parameters uh the the slowest increaser of spending in my lifetime starting with the uh jfk johnson combined administration hold on roll of roll of the drums (laughs) to the least barack hussein obama oh stop it i kid you not obama increased spending the slowest yeah, just a little bit slower than uh, Bill Clinton, who over the course of his eight years increased spending twenty nine point five percent. Barack Obama, twenty nine point two uh, percent. Unfortunately, well, now no Republican the, comes close. So
0: now let's go to the Republicans who we assume are supposed to be fiscal conservatives. Right. And you say that when a Republican is in the White House, spending goes up twice or more as fast as when a Democrat is in the White House and you yourself are a conservative. I know that for a fact. At least I can say that. I think you are. You're to the yes. I you're, call you're... myself a libertarian. Uh, okay. Tom Mullen but, talks freedom is the name of your podcast. Tell us what um, the great Donald Trump did
2: in spending, because I, I didn't believe these numbers. What are they? Well, if you go now, Trump only had four years. So you have to get down to breaking it down by year. And if you don't give him a break on 2020, he's just off the charts. He increased spending 17.5% per year on average when you average in 2020 where it just exploded. If you give him a break on 2020, he still increased at 5.1% per year to 2017 to 2019 as uh, compared to 3.6% per year. Well, you you lost me because
0: according to the chart you sent me, you said Trump
2: 70.1% over 2016. Yeah. When you count in 2020 with that $2.7 trillion increase. Why did he uh, spend that? What was that a COVID bailout? Yeah. With all that COVID spending, uh, the increase over his four years is two point seven trillion. All right. So, what about Biden, who's also put trillions of dollars
0: into the economy of printed money? Where's he at?
2: I, I don't know where he is at yet because we haven't had enough years to really look at him and see what's going to happen. Now, spending is down this year from from his first year, and uh, this is something that also happened during the Obama administration when he first started spending was exploded partially because of Bush's TARP bailout and then his own bailout and then spending actually decreased some years in the Obama administration. And, of course, the Republican Congress had something to do with that. But what about the fabulous Ronald Reagan, the great fiscal conservative himself? <laughs> what,
0: wait, are you telling me he increased spending by 80 percent?
2: Yes. When How? He took, when he took over... Uh, when he was inaugurated the year before, well, Jimmy Carter's last year, uh, the spending was five hundred and ninety billion. And in Reagan's last year, it was one point six, one point oh six trillion.
0: Where did it? Where did that extra half of
2: five hundred billion dollars go? What did he spend it on Reagan? Well, he did increase military spending quite a bit. OK, and but that's not all. And this is the same with Bush, too. Uh, people just attributed it all to military spending, but all spending went up under Reagan. He said he was going to abolish the Department of Education. Spending on that exploded during his administration. Oh, so no. um, there just really seems like when a Republican is in office, there's no one to say no. When a Democrat's in office with a Republican Congress, everybody's <laughs> saying no. <laughs> so we
0: well, may be so in the sweet Tom spot. Tom says the gist is this when a Republican is in the White House. Spending goes up twice or more as fast as when a Democrat is in the White House, no matter which party has Congress.
2: So what are they doing? They're they're, they're playing two card Monty with us. It's hard to say. Uh, They certainly always want to increase military spending. Okay, that's hard to explain because, you know, it's at 700 billion. There's just really no nobody who's even close. And if you think about. Um, the Soviet Union or the Soviet Union, the Russian Federation right now spends 70 billion a year, but we still don't feel like we can attack them over Ukraine because of nuclear weapons. Okay, so if they're safe at 70 billion a year, why do we need to spend 700 billion? Uh, (laughs) You mean with sufficient
0: nuclear weapons, we'd have deterrence against any such event and we wouldn't be having to spend 700 billion a year. Maybe we could spend 200 billion a year.
2: Yeah, I, I there's a good argument for that. And for well, what if we, we cut back
0: on che- troops? What if we cut back on cheeseburgers for General Milley?
2: <laughs> what
0: if we could save well, some money right there. At least another million in cheeseburgers. Well, this is no joke. Which president increased spending the slowest? Shockingly, answer Obama. Which president <laughs> increased spending the most? Reagan, 80 percent over 1980. Trump, 70 percent. Over 2016 Nixon and Ford, 108 percent.
2: What did they spend it on?: Well, there was the Vietnam War, which was also going on during JFK and Johnson, but they managed to spend even more uh, after getting elected to end the war. And again, it was, it's all kinds of things. And uh, Nixon was a big government guy, and um, you know this is what we get when we get a Republican in there. So you're not saying we should vote for a Democrat. I don't think, well, I'm not necessarily saying we should vote for a Democrat, but this November, if the Republicans take Congress, we might be in the sweet spot as far as spending goes historically. That's when we get the least increase. We never get a cut, almost never, but uh, it goes up the slowest with a Democrat in there and a Republican (laughs) Congress who hates his guts. (laughs) Okay, so if if we get the House back, spending will not go up
0: as crazily as it would if they were in control of the presidency and the Senate and the House. Right.
2: Yeah, that's my position. And I think the history supports that. And and I always say gridlock is good. <laughs> that's the best thing we can get. What
0: is your background in economics? Didn't you know you did actuarial tables, didn't you in the
2: insurance business for years? Am I wrong? I was in the insurance business. I I don't have an educational background in economics, but I minored in it in college. And uh, I also, um, yeah, I've been in business for the last 30 years. No, but you
0: you did actuarial
2: work, didn't you? You, I thought you did actuarial work for it. I actually ran a lot of operations for the insurance companies, but I no, the actuaries. I I don't speak that language. They speak math. I I had to translate for them a lot, though. But Tom. (laughs)
0: You know, the economic tables and you can read all of this stuff. What is the actual inflation today without the tricks that the Biden people are playing by removing certain items to make it look lower than it is? What do you actually think it is?
2: It's probably somewhere in the range of 15 percent. John Williams does work on this. That's pretty good. And that's where he's got it. And it really doesn't matter if you if you. You just got to measure it with the same measuring stick. If you want to have all these tricks, okay, we'll apply the tricks to the 70s and give us the real number then, which would be less than what it is today.
0: Hmm. Well, there's a lot of food for thought here, a lot of food for thought here. I read this morning that uh, climate crazy Germany is firing up coal power plants after Putin cuts the flow of Russian energy. So even the Greens said, well, we we need to burn coal. So someone said, well, how about bringing back the nuclear power plants of which they have? They said, oh, no, we'll never bring back nuclear, even though nuclear is is zero carbon emissions are crazy people running the West. Is that what's going on? I think crazy people are running the Western nations.
2: Yeah, well, you've got the Republicans that can't stop spending and you have the Democrats who have no connection to reality. They don't believe in scarcity. And, you know, they, they think that windmills are going to replace oil. I wish that were true. I really do. It's just not going to happen, not even close. And you've got to deal in reality here. And, of course, what what you just said is Germany is conceding to reality before all their people freeze to death this winter.
0: Well, I suppose it's better that they burn coal than they burn their grandmother's mahogany furniture that was left <laughs> in the attic. Tom, a pleasure to have you on. Are there any final thoughts on inflation, deflation, stagflation and ideology, ideology? Well, sorry, not ideology. Well, the ideology of the Biden administration is ideology. I agree.
2: Yeah, well, I, I released uh, my book. It's the Fed Stupid earlier this year to just remind everybody that without the Federal Reserve, we wouldn't have monetary inflation. Politicians can cause all kinds of problems. But if you don't print money and they spend money on one thing, then prices go down on another. You're against the Federal Reserve. Absolutely.
0: So is Forbes. So is everyone I speak with. So before we go, most of us don't even know what the Federal Reserve is or what it does. What is it and what does it do?
2: Well, I know you had Ron Paul on a couple of days ago, and I listened to that podcast and he said it best in one word. It's counterfeiting. And I don't know why counterfeiting is illegal if it stimulates the economy, but it's really a wealth redistribution mechanism to redistribute wealth from all of us up to the investment class under the excuse that it's going to be good for society and create jobs.
0: What do you mean? But the Federal Reserve? Yeah. What, what yeah. does it do? What does a Federal Reserve Bank do? What do
2: they hold? Well, Gold? They don't they gold. hold gold. some gold and mostly treasury bonds and other securities, mortgage-backed securities now. And when they buy those from uh, the market, they put dollars that they create out of thin air into the market. And those flow, as you know, to the investment class. And they say they're stimulating the economy. We need liquidity. But what that does is it lowers the value, usually very gradually, but lately, not so gradually of every dollar you and I hold. So it's a wealth mm. redistribution mechanism supposedly for the good of society, just happens to benefit the 1%. What a coincidence, right? Mm. And uh, you know, we, we created an awful lot of jobs during the industrial revolution when we were on a gold standard and consumer prices fell by almost half throughout the 19th century. So you don't need this for growth. I think it's a scam.
0: Well, maybe the Greens have something, though. You know, we could we could hook up bicycle pedals to every passenger on a jet (laughs) and people could pedal while they're inside a jet plane and somehow, I don't know, maybe create wind energy with rotating feet. It would be like Leonardo da Vinci's dream of the future. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's 500 years out of date. All right. It's a crazy world with Michael Savage and Tom Mullen. I don't want people to forget what you talked about. Which president increased spending the slowest? Barack Obama. Who increased it? Who increased it the most? Nixon, Ford. Uh, Then we had Reagan and then we had Trump. Upside down, backwards from what I originally thought. Tom Mullen, thanks for being with us on the Michael Savage podcast. Let's not forget what you taught us. Which is which president increased spending the slowest? Your answer? Barack Obama. Who increased it the most? Nixon and Ford. <laughs> okay. Tom Mullen, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us on the Michael Savage podcast. Great to be
2: here, Michael. Thanks. Bye now.
0: Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it.